Buenos dias, bitches. Uh, welcome. If you're new here, I use bitches in a very endearing term and way. Please don't be offended. Um, welcome to this talk. So this is for you, my client group. However, I am sending this out into the interweb today. So if you're not a client and you are new here, welcome. Um, this talk is probably going to be a bit of a mini series because I can't quite get into the detail of everything that I want to in one talk. So we're going to start here with the basic knowledge that I think you guys should have. Um, hopefully it empowers you to make some different decisions. There are some kind of other topics that I'm going to split off into uh, based around, you know, sugar and performance nutrition a little bit more I am going to touch on these things today but not in too much detail but I know these are things that always come up these are questions that I get all of the time so what are we going to cover today we are going to talk about the truth about carbs the aim of this talk for me is to explain obviously what carbohydrates are hello welcome to 2022 and um, discuss what happens within our bodies when we eat carbs the implications of overeating and undereating carbs, how many we should eat, or you know, roughly what should you be aiming for, dependent on your activity and your kind of goal. When should we eat them? And some hormonal consequences of eating carbs in terms of the insulin hypothesis, if anyone's heard of that. Um, essentially, I want to remove carb fear from your life forever. So that is the aim of this talk. So what are carbohydrates? So I'm sure you're all familiar. I'm sure none of you are sitting there thinking, I don't know what carbohydrate is, but I will explain it anyway in case you don't. Carbohydrates are the main source of energy in all living organisms. The main groups when we talk about carbohydrates are sugars, starch, and fiber. We always kind of abbreviate carbohydrates to CHO. So if you see that, that's what we're talking about. In terms of calories again a lot of the things that I hear about carbs is to do with you know weight gain and people have this fear around eating too many because they're going to gain weight now if you are familiar with energy balance and the kind of calories in versus calories out I'm just going to say theory it's not a theory it's fact um but in terms of calories one gram of carbohydrates will give you four calories, which is exactly the same as protein, which is something I always try and remind people of when they're maybe demonizing carbohydrates in terms of, oh, well, if I eat too much, because no one tends to really sit and think, oh, I've eaten too much protein, I'm going to gain weight, which you could do. You absolutely could eat too much protein and gain weight. It's not just about carbohydrates, it's about the calories. So carbs bring in exactly the same as protein. Interestingly, carbohydrates are not essential, but it is the preferred fuel and energy source of the body and of the brain and the brain does actually require a continuous supply so weird we can survive without it the body can synthesize glucose which is a form of broken down carbohydrate from other compounds um but that doesn't mean that there's no reason to eat any you'll see a lot of people that are maybe low carb or on a ketogenic diet, which is a very, very low carb diet, argue that we don't need carbs. So why would we eat them? We're not designed to need them to survive. So we shouldn't be eating them when that's not really an argument. Just because we don't need something 
doesn't mean that it doesn't have benefits, especially when it comes to our health. Um, so that is the lowdown on carbs. Now I wanted to touch on glycemic index. I'm gonna have to apologize because none of this subject matter is sexy. I can't make it sexy or fun, all right? When I was learning about it, it wasn't sexy and fun, but here we are. I'm trying to give it to you in the best, fastest and uh, simplest way possible. However, glycemic index, stay with me, okay? I've got a monster just to keep myself awake. Um, when we talk about the glycemic load and glycemic index of food, some people maybe get a little bit confused around this. So basically put, this refers to the rate at which food causes a level of glucose in the blood to rise, okay? So the higher the glycemic index or the glycemic load, the quicker the speed of delivery. So the quicker that will cause a rise in blood glucose, okay? This can be really useful to know when you're trying to control blood glucose and it does have performance benefits. When we think about performance, we want to be having something near, perform, uh, near our training or event or whatever we're doing that is going to be delivered quickly. Yeah, we want it to be delivered quickly so we can use it quickly. Glucose, again, remember, it's a fuel source. It's an energy source and it's our body's preferred one. So we want to be having that near our training and we want it to be delivered quickly so we can use it quickly, right? Um, for people who maybe have issues with their blood glucose, it's important to know about these things. Um, if you are someone that gets hungry really quickly, you suffer with crashes in energy and you know you struggle with your appetite or satiety now there are people with certain conditions that will really struggle with this maybe it's someone that's pre-diabetic or has diabetes or maybe people with PCOS things like that it's good to know about the glycemic index and glycemic load because these kind of foods are not going to be great for that they're not great for helping with satiety not great for helping with appetite and um, if you eat a lot you're going to have a lot of crashes if you're somebody that suffers with that um, and you're going to be hungrier quicker if you eat a lot of high glycemic load and index foods. Um, so that's why it's important to know about it. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't have them. They, they have their place. You absolutely can. But if you are someone that suffers with this, maybe moving away from having a lot of these types of foods. If you're somebody that trains a lot and, you know, has quite a high output, then these are going to be really important to keep you fueled and keep you going. So they all have their place, right? We need to remember that all carbs are broken down as sugar, all of them. The ones that are more processed, the ones that aren't as processed, they just get broken down at different rates. So some have more benefits over other. So we tend to call, you know, lower quality carbs, sweets, refined grains, you know, your white bread, your white pasta, rice, jam, honey, the things that are typically, you know, high in sugar. Those are what we call, you know, the lower quality carbs but they have their place like we've just said if you want something that is delivered quickly you want some quick energy you go into training session and then we have higher quality carbs like fruit veg whole grains beans legumes these are generally you know broken down at a slower rate and they also give us other nutrients which is really important for health especially things like fiber which help with our appetite and our blood glucose levels amongst other benefits so we do want to be concentrating on having you know the higher quality carbs most of the time but these other carbs still have their place these lower quality carbs I hope that makes sense 
So what should we be aiming for then? We're breaking down carbohydrates in starch-resistant starch and fiber. So starch and resistant starch are foods like oats, you know, green bananas, cooked and cooled rice, cooked and cooled potatoes, beans, legumes. And then fibrous foods are broken down into two categories. You have soluble fiber and insoluble fiber, which we're going to touch on in a bit. But your soluble fiber is things like broccoli, Brussels sprouts, black beans, kidney beans, avocado, pears, apple, citrus fruits, strawberries, oats, barley, carrots, sweet potato, those kind of things. And then your insoluble fiber is things like whole wheat, cauliflower, green beans, peppers, nuts, potatoes, couscous, brown rice. So different subcategories there. So starch and resistant starch. Starch is a storage form um, of complex carbohydrates, which is your high quality carbohydrates. Resistant starch is starch that is not digested in the small intestine, but passes to the large bowel. So the benefits of these is it feeds our gut microbiota, which is really, really important for our gut health and also for our brain health. Um, if you know anything about the gut and the brain, we have what's called the gut-brain axis and they do communicate in a two-way system. So we're taking care of our gut, we're also taking care of our brain, right? Um, starch produces what we call short-chain fatty acids, which help to control our blood sugar levels, like I said before. So we don't get these massive crashes in energy and in our appetite and our hunger. It can increase our bacterial mass, just like a prebiotic, which is really um, important. And excessive amounts, just like fiber, can cause some digestive issues like IBS. So being aware that we're not having too much. And then into fiber, which is a non-starch form of plant components, which are also not digested. So again, helping bowel health. It can add low energy density volume to your diet. So what we mean is you can have more volume of these foods, but you're not necessarily getting more calories or energy, which is why it's really important to include more in these diets to stop you from potentially overeating, to keep you satisfied, to keep you feeling full. Um, when you see people that have a typically low fiber diet, they do tend to eat more than they need or they don't, but they really struggle with like, hunger and appetite being up and down all the time so really important that we are getting the fiber like I've said before we have the soluble and insoluble so soluble fiber is soft and sticky so it binds to water to help um to slow not flow to slow transit time so basically shit less sorry I said it right and then we have the insoluble so this creates roughage right this enhances shit time <laughs> okay so if you're somebody that is suffering with maybe a bit of ibsd a bit of diarrhea you're going to want more insoluble fiber in your diet and then vice versa if you uh, sorry soluble fiber if you're somebody that is constipated and you need to go more a little bit more insoluble fiber is going to help enhance that transit time which is a really nice saying of going for a shit <laughs> so the aims or what we should be going for is around 30 grams a day, right? That's the recommended amount. If you wanna get really technical about it, 15 grams of fiber per a thousand calories. That's what we generally want to be aiming for. Most people, most of my clients that come to me are not even hitting like 15 grams um, in their day. And they're eating way more than a thousand calories, of course. Uh, some people are like getting like 10 grams. So 
it's something that you definitely want to be paying attention to whether you decide to track it or you just start looking at the foods that you're eating and what fibers in there and um, this is something that I help my clients with we have lots of resources that are showing which particular foods have what um, it's actually easier than you think to increase your fiber just by adding some different fruits some different vegetables um, some different kind of you know starchy carbs can really um, increase this what I will say is if you increase your fiber make sure to increase your water intake obviously fiber needs water to do its job that's what it says here um, if you don't you may well, you'll feel it, basically. You'll be able to tell if you don't increase your water intake with your fiber intake. I'm going to leave it there. So, carbohydrate metabolism and how our body uses carbohydrates. Now, there is something called the insulin hypothesis. Okay, This is what people used to believe happened when we ate carbohydrates. And I think it's why a lot of people still to this day have this like carbohydrate fear. They, they're scared of eating carbohydrates and when they're looking to improve their diet the first thing they think about doing or even when it comes to weight loss is cutting out carbs because of this old hypothesis which has been debunked by now by the way so what people think happens right is you have carbohydrates right our blood glucose levels that's our plasma glucose goes up then a hormone called insulin responds to blood glucose and that also goes up when insulin goes up fat metabolism which is fat burning shuts off okay so people assume that when we eat or, or did assume when we eat keep when we eat carbohydrates our insulin levels go up fat burning turns off and that fat storage would go up and this is why people then got into the idea well we need to eat low carbohydrates so we keep insulin low so we're not shutting off this fat metabolism and we're not um favoring fat storage okay that's what people used to think it's actually a lot more complicated than that so what happens is carbohydrates come in glucose goes up insulin goes up the fatty free acids in our bloodstream go down Fat metabolism does go down, but also glycogen gets stored, right? I'm going to explain this in a little bit more detail. Um, what also happens is when we put more carbohydrates in, we store more, but we also use more. So carbohydrate metabolism, which is basically using that energy, goes up. So we utilize it more. And then fat metabolism also increases afterwards. So yes, we're temporarily switching off fat metabolism, but this is a very normal, what we call feedback loop. And it happens in all healthy individuals. It's not something that we need to be scared of or we need to be trying to minimize, right? When it comes to glycogen storage, this is an important point to cover. We can store um, up to 2.7 kilograms, so 2,760 grams of glycogen, which is basically a form so when we break down carbohydrates, we break it down into glucose, right? And then we make it into glycogen when we store it. So when we want to use it again, we break it back down into glucose, back into the blood, and then we can use it. We can store up to 2,760 grams of carbohydrates and water. When we store glycogen, we also bring in water. For every one gram of glycogen that we pull in, we pull in another three grams of water. So if you're watching this visually, you'll be able to see that in the liver, we can store 90 grams of glycogen. That's going to bring in 270 grams of water. So that's 360 grams there. 
in the muscle, another place where we store glycogen so that we can tap into that during exercise, we can store up to 600 grams of glycogen, right? So that's 1800 grams of water, which is 2400 grams. And then in the blood as well, we can have about three grams of uh, glucose floating around there. So we're looking at increasing our body weight by nearly three kilograms, which is why, again, when people cut carbohydrates and they lose all this glycogen and they lose all this water from their body, they see this three kilogram drop on the scale. They then think, oh my God, I've lost weight. It was the carbohydrates when it wasn't. Again, if you have a day where you're eating particularly high carbohydrates, you're going to see a gain on the scales. It's not body fat, it's all of the storage. So that can be really helpful when you're seeing changes in scale weight that you can't really explain, especially when it goes up um, or if it drastically goes down, it doesn't always equate to body fat. Um, so back to the insulin hypothesis. To explain this better, insulin is a storage hormone, right? It shuttles nutrients into cells and it does it with all these nutrients, carbs, fats and proteins so the body can use them. It's kind of like a taxi, an Uber in the bloodstream, right? It's a very normal feedback loop. We have somehow demonized insulin and carbohydrate, but people forget that protein also has quite a high insulinemic response. When we eat protein, that also raises blood insulin, okay? So if high insulin in the blood shuts off fat burning and gets us to preferentially store fat, then why are we not thinking about cutting our protein from our diet? If the hypothesis is true, why are we not thinking of cutting down our protein? Okay, insulin does switch off fat oxidation temporarily, but then it also increases a hormone called leptin, which is a satiety, satiety hormone. So that helps with appetite and hunger. So it's actually a really useful feedback loop. So we don't need to be avoiding rises in insulin. The body can store fat without insulin there it has other hormones and other ways of doing this it's not just you know high insulin or the release of insulin that gets us to preferentially store fat it will happen with low insulin levels as well when we look at the research studies have shown that when calories are matched there is no difference in low carb or low fat diets in terms of fat loss despite there being different levels of insulin. So we've kind of debunked that now, we've proven that in the research. It's the overfeeding of energy that causes, you know, weight gain. And in some cases, insulin resistance, it's not just the carbohydrates. So this obviously came from looking at people with diabetes and people with obesity that had this insulin resistance, which meant our cells didn't allow insulin to bring the nutrients in. And that causes lots of different um, health issues, okay? And if you have chronically high insulin, then preferential fat storage. But we know that it's not just carbohydrates that are doing this. It's a chronic kind of overfeeding, chronic levels of high energy, not just carbohydrates. So we've debunked that now. We don't need to fear carbs. We don't need to fear insulin. This feedback loop that we see is very normal. If you're an otherwise healthy individual, it's absolutely fine, okay? So... How much do you need? This really depends on your activity and your preference. Remember, we can survive without it. So if you want to be addicted to yourself and cut it out, you can. But there's all these benefits, the health benefits, the gut health benefits, the hunger and satiety benefits, the 
fact that it's our preferred energy source and it helps to fuel our workouts we don't want to forget about that it can also help with like sleep as well having like quite a high carb if you've had like a high carb meal you know that afterwards you kind of crash and like that's okay if you're someone that struggles to sleep i don't know my clients we tend to add in a little bit more carbs at night time or before bed okay so but if you want to have a little bit more detail on right what requirements do i need you can go for um grams per kilogram of your body weight if you know it right so just to stay alive there are no requirements you can have whatever you want right for health anything from one to four grams per kilogram it's pretty sensible for muscle gain obviously we want to be fueling our workouts the most important thing for muscle gain is the training the stimulus the protein but we need carbohydrates to spare that protein and to fuel that training so you know anywhere from like two to six grams per kilogram of your body weight then performance if you take your training quite seriously you're training for an event you're doing quite a lot of high intensity work it's going to increase the demand that you need for carbohydrates so anything from like three to 12 grams if you're quite seriously training i'm sure you probably have a coach they would help you with this how to space it out how to get the most out of your training it's something i'm going to branch off into i said that it would be a different topic i can't cover it in this talk when it comes to fat loss it's really your preference yeah bear in mind if you're still exercising and you're doing quite high intensity exercising whilst you're in a fat loss phase you're going to need more carbohydrates all right and that may mean that you have to give thought to other nutrients so you're not missing out on fat and protein it's also going to help with not only fueling your exercise but giving you a level of satiety and they just fucking taste good right when you're dieting you don't want to have a diet that's bland and has nothing in it that makes you feel satisfied so some benefits of carbohydrates that i may not have already touched on but i think i have protein sparing effect which is great for muscle building that's why if you have a muscle gain goal you definitely don't just want to be focusing on protein although that is important carbs are important too maintaining digestive health and optimal health of the body so we don't need it to survive but do we want to survive or do we want to thrive improve sleep like i already said helps with satiety and palatability 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 oh my god i nailed it got it a bit more a bit more caffeine <laughs> carbs taste good right so not only are we satisfied but brain satisfied and it supports intense exercise for performance so 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 in summary carbohydrates are not essential however they are required for optimal function please get that into your head yes we can go on a low carb diet if we want to but is it optimal not for everyone and um, we really want to include fiber and resistant starch in our diets um including more slow digesting unprocessed and high fiber carbs it has multiple health benefits so please don't just focus on okay increasing my carb intake i'm going to have more cake and crisps and white bread we want to have those you know high quality carbs carbohydrate metabolism isn't just as simple as more carbs more insulin switch off fat burning yeah it is 
a more complex relationship than that. And it's a very normal and healthy relationship. At the end of the day, okay, weight gain comes down to energy balance, not carbohydrate intake alone. So please bear that in mind. Hopefully that has cleared some things up for you, maybe taught you a few things. Um, it is a very general carbohydrate talk and I will be planning on doing one more specific for performance or events and how you might plan that into your day and your week and also talking about sugar because sugar is one that gets um, mentioned a lot I know we touched on it today but it's still a bit of a hot topic so if you enjoyed it if you learned something go forth tell the world share it put it on social media tag me I do care, I do care. Um, but I do hope it was helpful. And for my clients, you guys should kind of just have this cemented now. This is stuff that we already know, we already talk about. I bang on about it all the time. But if you do have any questions, please bring it to check-ins or shoot it in a message. And hopefully I'll have a great day.